Lord bless everyone, and we're studying James chapter 5 today. And let's look at the first verse. It says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. It's not that James condemns the rich, but he condemns those that are wealthy and don't care about the poor. Those that are wealthy and they do little for the poor. As a matter of fact, they treat the poor as like slaves. And the Bible, in a sense, does not condemn the rich. There are passages clearly like that. It looks like he's condemning the rich. And and if the rich are acting in a certain way, then it is condemning them. For example, we're not told that money is the root of all evil. We're told that the love of money is the root of all evil. There could be a rich person and they may not have love for money. And the Bible does not condemn them. We see Nicodemus, he was a man of money. Joseph of Marthia, Mary, Martha, Lazarus was people of good means. And yet Jesus never told them, sell everything you have. But yet they were willing to put everything on the stake for Jesus. They had wealth, but they didn't care about their wealth to pursue Jesus. Mary um, Magdalene was a woman of wealth and she used her money to um, sponsor Jesus in his ministry. So money is, having money is not the problem. Is having love for that money, that's the problem. We read in First Timothy. We read this. Um, verse 9 of chapter 6. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. It is that desire to want to become rich for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many um, plague. You know, it tells you they've gone through suffering, many of them. You can imagine being rich. Um, Many people are wanting to be rich. Those people don't sleep at night. Because they're worried about their, their, their what they have on the bank. Many of them don't sleep. You see their eyes, they're baggy as, as what could be. They can't barely eat because they say time is money and they eat and they eat quickly so they could spend more time trying to make that dough. <laughs> Rich people are not happy. Oh yeah, they they have these these things that they're more capable of falling into sin than a regular poor person. You know, when you have something that's unrestrained, you have no way of getting out. 
you're capable of falling into the worst sins. And, and we see that. We see the rich people falling into the worst sins. It, it's a scary thing. You have nobody holding you back. Poor people at least. Their poordom is holding them back from doing something dumb but rich. Um, they don't have that much restraints unless it's their parents or something. Anyway, we see woes for the for the rich. We see it in Luke chapter 6. Uh, for the wealthy, those who are trusting in their wealth, specifically. We, we read in Luke 6, verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort, or you're receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Just because things are going well for you now doesn't mean it, it will go wrong for you the next day. I've seen people who had everything and they've lost everything. It says in verse 2 of James 5, Your riches have rotten and your garments have become moth-eaten. If you, if God is blessing you with money, and you're intending just to keep that money and not spend it in the kingdom of God, not to give to those in need, not to help the ministries, well, it's your money will get mafied, and you lose. Most likely, you might get. Um, how does that saying goes? Um, forgot the word. When you lose everything, the bank bankrupt. You might get bankrupt if you put your trust in your money. You know, <clears throat> after my late wife passed away, I had my trust in my money. You know, I had a couple thousand dollars saved up, and I was like, <clears throat> "Praise the Lord! I'm going to start saving up money. I got a couple thousand." Already saved up, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be set. And God has his ways of of taking our trust out of things. The landlord started scamming me, and instead of me paying him one rent, I had to pay him two rents because he so called wasn't receiving. And then when I was paying him the water bill, he was scamming me again. He was saying he wasn't receiving that money. <laughs> And because of me not saving the receipts, those thousands of dollars, they were spent on rent and bills. I wasn't able to save the money I wanted to save. But I was putting my trust in that money. And the Lord was saying, I need to take your eyes off that money that you're holding. And I need you to face... Uh, Face your trust in me. I need you to trust me for your daily needs. I need you to put your your mind and your heart in me and not in what you can save. 
And that is our problem. Many times we have our trust and money. Oh, this is going to pull us through. And yet, we end up losing it. Whatever we cling to, whatever we hold on to in this life, and it makes us trust in that more than God, trust me, God will take it away from your life. He does that to save you. Anyway, let's play a song. Let's go to the following song. At the name of Jesus. continues in verse 3. Your gold and your silver had rusted, and their rust will be a witness against you, and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. You put your trust in these things, and these things are going to rot away. These things are not going to last. We need to put our trust in the things of heaven. We we need to store up for heaven, not on earth. Oh, yes, it's nice to have good things. And those who are rich and are Christians, praise the Lord that God has blessed you with money. But money sometimes could be your curse. Yes, it can if you put your trust in that money, it will be your curse. If you if you hold that money and, and you intend not to help those in need, it will be for your ruin. Anyway. We go to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 6. It says in verse 19. <clears throat> Do not lay up for yourselves treasure upon earth, where moth 
and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Simple fact, the Bible tells us. Our treasure, we need to think about, we need to be heavenly minded, not earthly minded. There's an old saying says, don't be too heavenly minded that you're not earthly good. I think it should be switched around. Don't be too earthly minded that you're not no heavenly good. There's our people that are so much about money that they're no good for the kingdom of God. To them is about money and money and money. And they say, with money, the monkey dances. No, he doesn't dance with money. A monkey can't eat the money. Some people say, oh, do you think money grows on trees? You have to work hard for it. You know, that saying doesn't make any sense. Where does paper come from? It comes from trees. So (laughs) we have some sayings that really don't make any sense at times. Anyway, we read in verse 4 of chapter 5 of James. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mow your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have workers, and you're not paying their salary as that you should. You're you're cheating them off your salary, of their salary. You need to pay them what they work for. There are lots of hard workers, and the bosses seem to be cheating on them. They're not paying them what their hard work deserves. And God says, I'm going to hold you accountable for that. Because they're crying to me. Oh, yes, I I can hear them, says the Lord. I hear all the hard work they do. And the little pay you pay them. Let's go to Leviticus um, 19.13. Let's go there. Leviticus 19.13. I believe this has something to say to us. Yes, it does. You shall not oppress your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of a higher man are not to remain with you all night until morning. Back then, a worker used to get paid for the day he worked and not weekly or every two weeks. You worked for the day, you got paid for the day. I I wish America was like that. I wish it was like that. You know, it, it it was awesome back then, you know. I worked for that day. I I got paid for that day. I didn't have to wait a week or two. But yet, we don't see that no more. You work and you have to work for a week or two and sometimes even more before you get paid. (coughs) 
<clears throat> now we read in verse 5, You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasures. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. This reminds me a lot of the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, he, um, you'll find that story in Luke 16, verse 19, I believe, to 30-something, I'm not sure. But it's, it starts in Luke 16, verse 19. <clears throat> and there you see a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. The rich man lived a rich life, and Lazarus was trying to eat from the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. This rich man was living luxuriously. He never thought about Lazarus. Hey, let me give a plate to him down there. No. He didn't care. And yet when he was in hell burning, he wanted Lazarus to dip his finger in water and just give him a drop of water because he was thirsting in those flames. Remember the poor. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. <clears throat> God makes it very clear. He, he, he loves those who show mercy. And there's many ways of showing mercy. It's not just forgiving somebody their sins. It's also helping them when they're in need. Let's play another hymn. Play this one here. Hold on one second. Let's play. Come, now is the time to worship. I like that one. Hallelujah. 
Are you spending your time with the Lord as you should? Or is your money making taking your time with the Lord? There's so many people are so caught up in their money making jobs and so forth. They don't have time for God. I've spoken about this before and it seems like I'm speaking about it now and again because this is what this um, chapter tells us. You know, um, everything is, is about living luxury, is about living the life, you know. When are you going to take time for God? <laughs> that money is not filling you spiritually. Oh, that, that, that ritual life that you're living is not filling you. It's not filling the empty void that you have in your heart. And it's not just about that because you can be poor and still be empty, spiritually empty. And you can even be a Christian and be spiritually empty. If you forget the purpose of why Jesus died on the cross, if, if you are thinking, well, it's about me feeling good. No, it's not. It's about saving your soul from hell. It's about that you are a sinner, a terrible sinner, and you need forgiveness. But yet, God is the only one who could surely fill that empty void inside. You try to fill it with so many things. You might try to fill it with lust, with money, fame, fortune, work, and yet it doesn't work. We read in verse 6, You have condemned and put to death the righteous man, and he does not resist you. Uh, maybe is that the reference to James 4, why it says you committed murder? James 4, 2. <clears throat> who is that righteous man? Are they talking about the rich people or the ones who put Jesus into death? Or is it talking about <clears throat> the rich people that are those that are taking the poor to courts? And, you know, it's kind of funny when <laughs> we see in politics, so I hate talking about politics at times. And I actually put a show so I won't have to talk about here about politics, but you do see it. <clears throat> Many times those politicians they they put laws but it's not to help the poor but to help the rich. And usually it has to do with taxing the poor. Anyway. <clears throat> but in in James chapter I believe it's chapter two um, that James talks about they're taking you to court, man. And you're giving them the best seats in the house. And yet you're telling the poor to sit on your feet by your footstool. I think is is James chapter 2, verses... Uh, verse, let's go to verse 2 and 3. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring, dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes 
in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who wearing the fine clothes, and say, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there on, or sit down at my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? And he goes on later on in, in this chapter, I believe, it talks about how the rich have taken the poor to courts, if it's not this chapter, it's the other. I'm, I don't remember exactly where. Um, but it's like you're paying special attention to the poor, you're not paying special attention to the poor. You're, you're caring more about those who are rich and wealthy. And we see that in churches, you know. If, if someone comes with a bling-bling many times, they're the one that we pay attention to. And and churches not to wear the latest fashions. You know that saying that you need to wear your Sunday's best that doesn't make any sense. You need to come to church humble. I think at one time I heard Mr. T say, when I go to church, I don't go to church with my earrings and my gold necklace. I go to church normal. <laughs> you know, I don't want to draw attention to myself. And then he quoted First Timothy um, 2, I believe he did. And I, I give him his problems for it because... What he said, it made lots of sense. Anyway, um, let's play one more hymn, and then we'll continue. I think I want to find that that um, that segment when he says that. Let's play this following hymn. Let's play... Father, I have sinned.
That was such a beautiful hymn. I, I just, maybe I want to play it one more time. It sounds so good, you know. Let's let's play it one more time. And it's always good to know that the Father loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 it's wonderful to know that God loves us. That we love him because he first loved us. Let's listen to this hymn one more time. That we could come to God and tell him our sins. And he loves us and he will forgive us for the sake of Christ. And what Christ does on the cross. Let's play that hymn one more time. forget this that that we have this relationship with God which is so awesome to know God intimately I was trying to look for that um, for for that um, when Mr. T was saying that in TBN um, if you find it just just send it to me um, send me the link at revcacolides at gmail.com um, I can't find it right now at this moment, but I'll, I'll find it eventually one of these days. It says in verse 7 of James 5, Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rain. You too, be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. James now takes his eyes out of the rich and that he was rebuking, and now he places on the workers and he tells them, wait, wait. 
Just wait on the Lord. The Lord is coming. Definitely, the Lord, he sometimes takes longer than we think. The Lord has been 2,000 years and the Lord still hasn't come is because there's still souls that he wants to save. You might be one of them that's hearing this podcast right now. Maybe the Lord wants to save you before he comes. We read in verse 9, Do not complain, brethren, against one another, that your selves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Be careful not to be complaining. (coughs) Don't start complaining about others, you know. Well, sometimes we do complain. I'll be honest. Sometimes I I complain, and, and this is speaking to me. I, I speak about other people, and I say, oh, this person's not doing what they're supposed to do, and, and I start murmuring about them. But I don't do it to other people. I, I start talking to the Lord about it. Anyway, but we, we see that God is telling us, don't complain. <clears throat> Be patient. The Lord is coming. And this is the thing is that the Bible tells us that In these last days, there will be mockers telling us, oh, the Lord hasn't come yet. It's been many years, even our fathers and great-grandfathers have said about Jesus coming, and he still hasn't come. That's to let us know the Lord was going to take his time before he was going to come back, Um, and the Lord is still taking his time. <clears throat> we see in Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. I know that's actually a little bit before. Um, chapter three, verse three. Know this first of all that in the last days mockers will come with their mockings, following after their own lust, saying, "Where is the promise of his coming forever?" Since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. You know, the Bible tells us there will be mockers. And and trust me, I've dealt with those mockers. Even one occasion I had to rebuke my mom and she said, Jesus is not coming anytime soon. They've been saying that for too long. And I'm like to tell her, the scripture says people are going to say that. So wash your mouth, mother. (laughs) Jesus is coming. And I've talked to people that that have those doubts and they think Jesus is not coming. The Bible tells us when Jesus is going to come. And the Bible tells us certain things that needs to happen before Jesus comes. One, this gospel has to be preached all through the world. So maybe you need to be a missionary <laughs> and witness to some people. The Bible tells us this in Matthew 24. It says this, I believe it's chapter. 
24, Matthew, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations. And then the end shall come. And then we read in Romans. Romans 11. Tells us that there's a number of Gentiles that needs to be saved. Read in Romans 11, verse 25. <clears throat> it starts in verse 25 and then um, verse 26 and 27. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Um, some translation will say the number of the Gentiles. Others will say the fullness of the Gentiles. And thus, ordinations, and thus all Israel will be saved. Just as written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. The deliverer, that's Jesus. But when you understand something, there's a number of people that needs to be coming to faith before Jesus comes. God knows the number. God knows how many people needs to get saved before he comes. And, and who is the last person? <clears throat> it might be somebody in the tribe that needs to be witnessed to. It might be you. Maybe you're the last person that needs to come to Christ. Maybe what was holding Jesus to come back is you getting saved. Maybe if you get saved, maybe Jesus will come. Wouldn't that be grand? <laughs> well, there's a number of people that needs to get saved. This gospel has to be preached all over the world. And you know one thing I, I, I believe? I believe in America, <clears throat> people don't know the gospel. In faraway countries, many people don't know the gospel. I remember <clears throat> receiving an email from a Pakistanian college girl saying, I want you to preach in my church. And I told her, I don't have the money to preach in your church to go to Pakistan. She said, it's okay if you can't come right here. But I want you, <clears throat> I want you to preach through the web. I want you to preach and I will translate for my church. They need to know the gospel. They don't know the gospel. And I preached in her daddy's church the gospel. I spent two weeks in her church preaching the gospel through um, live cam. And then I heard another email coming. That was last year. Somebody from Kenya saying, I want you to preach in my church the gospel. He was expecting the gospel to be the prosperity gospel, how God wants you healed, rich. And I gave him the gospel. 
how God sent his son to die for your sins. How God came in flesh and blood to die for your sins if you're willing to receive him. You know, it's people are so hooked up with a gospel, but it's not the real gospel nowadays. And we need to preach the real gospel. The real truth that it's not about God wanting you rich and prosperous. Prosperous. No, it's not about that. It's about God wanting you saved from your sins and coming to a personal relationship with his son. That is the gospel. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this station. Bless everyone hearing this message. And may your word be implanted in their ears and may they listen to your words and understand it and may they be able to explain it to others as well in Jesus name amen now what I want to do play another song with before I continue I just want to say um there are some more segments in this program that I'm not gonna have till I get my iPad back which has all my studies and has all my books and everything I told you um, yesterday how it broke and I, without my study tool, um, the notes that I do have now is, is from a Bible I have here, but I don't have my um, Bible softwares with me, but yet we're still studying James chapter 5 and I hope you're enjoying this study. Let's play another song. Let's play the following. Hold on one second. Let me look for a good one. Let's play the song, Jesus as I Think of You. Does it? 
and you're good to serve the Lord. Is awesome. God is so good. God is so good. He is so awesome. And it's good to know Him. It's good to think about Him. It needs to be daily in our lives, in our thoughts. Let's continue in verse 10. It says, As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Boy, the prophets, um, they suffered. Isaiah was sawed in half. Um, Ezekiel believed he was stabbed to death. Jeremiah stoned. The prophets were men that suffered for the cause of God. Now, it continues and says, verse 11, Behold, we count those blessed who endure. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. That's the point of of Job, that if you want an introduction to the book of Job, somebody one time asked me, can you give me an introduction to the book of Job before I read it? I found those two verses there. And I said, here is your introduction to the book of Job. It's about what happens as a result of your suffering. Um, it, it, it pays off everything you go through in life. Oh, you may not see it now, but in time you will. Uh, there was a quote that I read, and I really liked it. I don't know if, if, if did I get to, let me see if I got to, um, on, I did not get to do what I wanted to do. Uh, I I believe the quote went like this. Let me just try to pull off ahead. Um, it, it, it said something in that matter. It said, you trust that the persons that so sells you the Jigsaw puzzles or the puzzles that every piece will be in the box. <clears throat> Why not trust God that all those pieces in your life was for something grand? You know, all those pieces of your life that you've gone through suffering, I've said that before, is building your character. Is building the person you are now and who you will be in the future. Oh, there is a purpose for those purpose for those sufferings that you've gone through. God blessed Job in the end with double of everything he had. Everything he lost, he won double. And yet, we sometimes forget. At the outcome of our sufferings, there's going to be a great reward. Uh, what happened to Joseph after he'd gone through slavery, imprisonment, all this stuff? 
he became second to Pharaoh. Oh, there's the reason that we go through everything. I don't think there's no reason for it. At the end, we'll see it when we get our rewards. Whether it'll be in heaven or on earth, but we'll see the outcome of everything. Now let's go to verse 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear neither by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. So that you may not fall under judgment. A warning. Um, we see Jesus saying that in the Sermon of the Mount. And this is where James mostly got that from. We read in Matthew 5.34. Let's go Matthew 5.34. Matthew 5.34, what does it say? But I say to you, make no oaths at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. And anything beyond these is of evil. <clears throat> Everything, the Sermon of the Mount, you can see it in, in this little epistle of James. James Epistle is flooded with the Sermon of the Mount. I, I spoke that in the introduction of James, and I said, um, and I quoted some of them. I, I quoted the comparison among both of them. And we see that James loved the Sermon of the Mount, and he sure gives us a good feeding of it, which is good. Now, we read again in verse 13. It's like a condensed version of the Sermon of the Mount, which, which I love it. <clears throat> if you look at the Epistle of James, it is the Proverbs of the New Testament. That is James. Verse 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. If you go on through some affliction, here it tells you the remedy. Pray. Pray. Spend time with God. Verse 14. Is any among you is sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. There is power. I want you to understand something. Oil is for the sick. Oil, anointing someone with oil, is for the sick. 
but not for demon-possessed people. You don't anoint demon-possessed people with oil. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you don't. You lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. You anoint them with, with oil when you do that. There is power in that. In the name of Jesus, there is power. Now, read verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Confess your sins to one another it's good to have an accountability partner among Christians. A brother or sister that you can really rely on and they can rely on you and you can um, give accountability to each other. It's good. It prevents you from falling into deeper sin. It's always good to have one. Anyway, uh, let's play one more hymn. Let's go to... Let's see what's in the list. The Harvest of Justice. That's a good one. Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 3. Um, what do we see that the people used to do? <clears throat> they used to come to John the Baptist and they used to confess their sins there. Uh, it's good to confess your sins to God. 
Read in Matthew 3, verse 6, And they were being baptized by him, by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, as they confessed their sins. Um, we confess our sins to God, but it's also good to confess it to our dear brothers. Anywhere, Nowhere here we're told to confess them to a priest. A priest can't not dissolve you of your sins. Only the blood of Christ can. Now we continue. Chapter 5, verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and did not rain on earth for three years and six months. Wow, three years and six months, the rain was withheld, and that's going to happen again. In the time of the tribulation, the rain is going to be withhold. Read in Revelation 11, about two witnesses. Elijah is believed to come back, or to, to come back possibly with Enoch or Moses. I think it's going to be with Enoch. I used to think it was with Moses. Now I think it's with Enoch. Now we read about these two witnesses that are supposed to be coming in the last days. It says about them. <clears throat> um, it says in Revelation 11, verse 3. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will be prophesying for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone desires to harm them, fire perceives out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone would desire to harm them in this matter, he must be killed. These have the power to shut up the sky in order that rain may not fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to smite the earth with every plague as often as they desire. Well, they they are powerful because God is going to give them that power to do so. Now, Elijah was a man of power. He told King Ahab, it's not going to rain till I say so, and it did not rain. You read his story in um, 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. Um, we, let's, just, let's just take a little glimpse of that. <clears throat> 1 Kings 17. We read in the first um, verse. Now, Elijah the Timnite. Tishnite, um, Tishben, um, Tishbite, who was of the sellers of Galilee, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, surely there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except by my word. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's not gonna rain, and it's not gonna rain. And it did not rain for three years and a half. 
You can imagine that drought. You can imagine people um, thirsting at that time. I wanted to wet their lips, cool their tongue. Three years and a half, the brooks, the rivers were was getting dry. And many of them were probably dry completely. And verse 18, And he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruits. My brethren, my brethren, if any among you strays from the truth, and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the errors of his way will save a soul from death, spiritual death, and, and hell, and will cover a multitude of sin. It's amazing. God has given us that authority to save a person by the gospel, to turn them back to the walk of God. Let's play one more hymn, and then we'll be done for today. Let's play... The hymn, Return to God. I think that's, that suits the, the last verse. Return to God. Return to God with all your heart, the source of grace and mercy. Come seek the tender faithfulness Turn to God. That's a great message. If you're straying from the way, return to God, return to Jesus. For he has great mercy on those who return to him. Lord bless you all, and I'll see you next program of Mr. Kakalides and the Bible Podcast. Remember, you can email your prayer request or your testimonies, which will air in this podcast if it is approved, at revcacolides at gmail.com. If you wish to give an offering, the address is 2912 Ellis Street, Philadelphia, PA 19134, and the name is Harris Cacolides. 
And if you wish to call for prayer, the phone number is... Hold on one second. Always forget my number. It's kind of a tradition with me to forget things. Uh, My number is... 215-432-6287. If you need prayer... 215-432-6287. Lord bless you, and I'll see you next program of Mr. Kakalides and the Bible Podcast. So long.